Hi, this is Felix Chimeranyika, lead pastor of Kairos Christian Center in Lilonga, Malawi. I am happy that you have joined us for the Kairos Lilonga podcast, and I believe God is going to inspire you and break you through into your kingdom destiny as you hear the word unpacked. This is your Kairos moment, God's appointed season for your kingdom breakthrough. I ask you to turn to James chapter number 5. This is the last, last sermon in this uh, series of uh, through the book of James. The last one. The last one. And we're calling this wise living. Living wisely is what we're calling it. Hear the word of the Lord. James chapter number 5. Yakobo chapter number 5. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold the wages of the laborers who, moved, who mowed your fields. The wages of your laborers who mowed your fields which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have, you have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Be patient therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord. How the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath. But let your yes be yes and your no, no, so that you may, fall, you may not fall under condemnation. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. All men are like grass and their glory like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God lives on forever. Holy Spirit, we invite you. May you speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Living patiently. Living patiently. Every child of God 
He's on a mission from God to fulfill God's kingdom purposes for his or her life. For all of us that are believers, what we're waiting for is for our master to come back and that for us we should enter into his glory. But the problem is in the interim. Between now and the time that he comes back. See, if there wasn't this time between now and when he comes back, Christianity would have been very easy. But the problem with Christianity is that we have been left in a world where there are things that are against us stopping us to fulfill what God has called us to do. How do we still remain faithful to the task that God has given us in a world that is against us. Well, James here clearly states that the answer is to live patiently. In fact, if we were to look at this text and maybe come up with a teaching would be to say this, God expects you to live patiently as you fulfill your kingdom destiny. Tell it to your neighbor. God expects you to live patiently as you fulfill your kingdom destiny. Tell the other one as well. God expects you to live patiently as you fulfill your kingdom destiny. So this afternoon I want to look into how should we live patiently? How do we live patiently? Three ways that come out of it. We can live patiently, number one, by being patient in persecution. When James is writing this letter, he's writing to Jews in the diaspora. It was the habit of rabbis, of Jewish people, that once in a while they would write a secular letter. That would go to you know the diaspora to instruct the you know Jewish people about the ways of God. And here it's like James is acting like a, a Christian rabbi. That he, has, he has written this letter to those that are in the diaspora. And he's writing to Jewish Christians. Most of the, of the first Christians were Jews. And so James is writing to them. And uh, he is writing them in the context of how do they live their Christian lives. In, in the context of persecution and suffering. 
And so when it comes to these first four verses, first four verses, first six verses, he doesn't seem to be addressing the Jewish Christians per se. But, but more of those that are persecuting them. Most of these Jewish Christians were poor people. But watch what he says in verse number one. Come now you rich. Weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted. And your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are, co are corroded. And their corrosion will be evidence against you. And will eat your flesh like fire. Watch what he's saying. He says, you rich people, they are the ones that were oppressing the poor. They are the ones with power, with privilege. So they were persecuting the poor. Persecuting the Christians. And in the fashion of Old Testament prophets, James is speaking futuristically. What is going to happen to those rich people that oppress others? Now, I want you to catch this well. The Bible doesn't say that to be rich is evil. No. The rich that are spoken of here are the evil rich. Because they are also the righteous rich. Abraham was rich, righteous. Job, Job was rich, righteous. But he's talking about the wicked rich. And he's saying, you may as well start crying right now. You may as well start screaming right now. Because God's judgment is going to come. It's going to come. And he accuses them of things that they have done. He says, your riches have rotted. In other words, on that day when Jesus comes back, on the day of the Lord, when God comes in judgment against the wicked, when he comes to reward those that are righteous, the things, the things that the rich think are important, that day they will be rotted. That day they will be Eaten. He says, Your gold and your silver they have corroded. And he says, The corrosion will be evidence against you. And it will eat your flesh in the fire. When the New Testament paints the picture of the day of the Lord, Peter, Peter paints the picture. That the world, the sky will be rolled back like a scroll. 
Everything that you see will be rolled back like a scroll. It says everything will end up in a ball of fire. The money that we, we, we cherish so much. The clothes that we love so much. One day, in the twinkling of an eye, it will be gone. The cars that we covet. One time, one day, will be gone. And so James is saying, weep. A rich man's wealth is in his city. Rich man's wealth is in his city. His security is in his city. He doesn't know that his possessions have possessed him. And so the things that he takes value in, the day is coming. They will be gone. What have you put your value in? Where is your security? What are the things that you trust on? What are the things that you want so much? My friend, if it's not Jesus, it will burn up. It will burn up one day. And then he says, you have laid up treasure in the last days. Treasure in the last days. What good is treasure in the last days? The days are ending. There will be no more days. There will be no more need for money. Nobody takes money to heaven. In fact, heaven is too far. Nobody takes money to the grave. You can make all the money that you want. When you die, you leave it for us. In fact, when you die, your money may end up with that uncle you hate. It's not your money. You were not born with money. Nobody was born with money. Naked we came. Naked we shall go. Hallelujah. Amen. I usually tell people in this church, those that don't like putting on jackets and ties, you will put on a jacket and a tie one day. When we bury you, everybody will say we want them to look dignified. Have you ever seen a person in a coffin with a t-shirt? T-shirt in a coffin. And so I've been saying this so much. So Brother Alan came to me today. He says, Pastor, I'm putting on a jacket today. <laughs> because he's never in a jacket. But here's the truth of the matter. Why store our, our treasure 
Where moth can eat. Where rust can corrode. Let's keep our treasure in a place where it is really safe. And so you can even see here that even though James does not directly quote Jesus, but his whole teaching is imbued with the teachings of Jesus. Like other people have said, James could not have been written by the brother of Jesus called James. Because he doesn't even talk about the crucifixion of Jesus. No, he doesn't have to talk about the crucifixion of Jesus. He's trying to tell them how you ought to live. And watch what else that he accuses the rich people of. He says in verse number four, Behold the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. Listen, the Bible says, Deuteronomy 24, you shall not withhold the wages of your laborer. On the day that the wages are due, you should give him. He says, lest he cries out to the Lord against you. What have the wicked rich people done? They, they have withheld they have withheld the, the wages of the laborers they, they have defrauded the laborers of their pay I mean there are companies in this city that are paying people 15,000 kwacha a month a company shame on them oh they shall burn they shall burn on that day and they make so much money out of a God. They make so much money out of a God three, four times. And they give peanuts. One day is coming. They shall burn. God will give, will want, will want an account from them. And some of us, we make people work for peanuts. Our tenants in the farms, we give them peanuts. You just give them enough to eat. And end of the day, the man who makes the money for you still is dependent on you. It should not be like that. Not for Christians. When we Christians employ other people, we should understand it as, it's, as, as a stewardship from God. Those people are people too. They have dreams too. They also want to build a house. They also want to send their kids to college. And he has put us in their path to be those that help them as much as we can. I'm not trying to say go home and pay the, 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 the house engineer. You know the house engineer, right? 
Pay the house engineer 100,000 But you don't have that kind of money. But if you can afford it, why not? We're not just employers. We have a management, a, a ministry that has come from God. And so we don't defraud people. Those are the things of the wicked rich. Watch else what it is that they have done. Verse number five. You have lived on the on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. So, they're defrauding the poor and they're living in luxury. You know, you know what they say about the rich between the poor and the uh, the gap between the poor and the rich in Malawi? Malawi is one of the countries that has the biggest gap biggest gap between the rich and the poor. How do the rich get rich? They get rich from the poor. Oh, listen, that's the way the world works. That's the way the world works. Rich countries got rich by colonizing poor countries. Now they see we are so poor. They bring their donor aid. But you got the money from us in the first place. But he says you have lived in luxury. And you have lived in self-indulgence. Oh, it is very sad. When somebody's lunch money becomes the amount of money that a whole family lives on in a month. That's not right. That's not right. We can't have a society like that. One time, those that don't have will say that enough is enough. Because I'm not going to allow my child to die while somebody's throwing food out And so that person will wake up and say, I know where to get the food. And they'll go in violence to take food. Why? Because it's an unjust society. Oh, Christians, may we make this society more just. May, when, when we become employers, may we help people. May we give people a sense of hope. My boss cares for me. So I won't steal from him. Sometimes they're stealing from us. Sometimes they're stealing from you. Because you give them nothing. Tell your neighbor, far be it from you. To be a wicked rich person. He says, you have fattened your heart in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Look at what they do. They condemn. They, do, they go into the courts of law. They take the poor to court. They bribe, they bribe the judges. They win the cases. If they can't get that case to court, they will even kill. 
He says, even the righteous doesn't receive. Even the poor person doesn't receive. But he says, here's what you've done. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. Do you know what commercial farmers do with cows they want to sell? They fatten the calf. And then they sell the calf. Or the cow. Uh, Mr. Henry Cartridge, economist. Uh, wrote last week on his Facebook page. That he was excited to be in this group. With business uh, people that were farmers. And they were brainstorming ideas. And then he, he, he was excited with the kind of business ideas these people have. He says one of them was this. But this guy said, we'll buy a cow for 80,000. Feed it for three months. Fatten it up. And then we're going to sell it. And from the figures that were there, they have made money. You fatten a calf. Or rather, you fatten a cow. So that you can kill it. Yes. Mm. And so he says, here's what the rich have done. They have fattened their hearts in a day of slaughter. So all you're accumulating, yes, all, all that, that you're getting, getting, all the things that you're having are just fattening you up so that you can be killed properly. Today we have a so-called prosperity gospel where it's all about getting things. Where the more things that you have, the, the more money, money that you have, the more it's understood that you're blessed. Watch out that your possessions don't possess you so that you come at a place where you are like a wicked rich. Like I said, it's not evil to be rich. Oh, may God bless you. May he bless the work of your hands. May you work hard. And may God bless the work of your hands. So that you can be rich. So you can be a blessing to many people. But when you do that, may you not be a persecutor. Oh, Jesus says it. The wicked rich have enjoyed themselves enough down here. Because in the afterlife, they will start their suffering. The rich man and Lazarus, that, that was the gist of the story. Lazarus, Lazarus, a poor beggar with leprosy, who ate at the, at the, at the crumbs of the, of the table from, or the food from the table of the Amene, rich man. When he dies, he is comforted by Father Abraham. The rich man, when he dies, he goes to Gehenna. And when the rich man, now he's not rich anymore. He's in Gehenna. Suffering. Suffering. Rich 
But the so-called rich man. Can you ask Lazarus? That may he just take some water on the tip of his finger. And bring it over to me. Father Abraham said, no, 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 no. There is such a big chasm between us and you. That he can't even even come there. And in any case, you already enjoyed on earth. This is your time to be a Lazarus. Now, interestingly, the name of the rich man were not told. But the name of Lazarus told. In other words, the one that is known is Lazarus. The one who is truly rich is Lazarus. May you be rich in God. May you be rich in God. Living patiently is being patient in persecution. Number two, living patiently is being patient in perseverance. Verse number seven. Be patient therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. When should you be patient until? Until tomorrow. No. Until the coming of the Lord. Because the coming of the Lord is our payday. If you're working a job, when you get the money, when you get the money is month end. So if you work up until mid-month, do you expect that you're going to get a full pay? No. 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 no, you work up until the end. We should be patient up until the coming of the Lord. So be patient, my brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Watch what he's saying. He's saying just like the farmer will wait patiently. The first rains November somewhere there. That's when he goes and sows. And then that's not the end of it. He waits until the latter rains. Again sometime in Sometime in April. Because without that second rain, there's not going to be a harvest. Oh, but the farmer waits. Oh, he waits. Until the time for the harvest has come. He says the very same thing with you. Establish your heart. In fact, encourage your heart. Be strong in your heart. If you came to my house and I 
I put food on, on the table. And I said, be strong and eat. What would you think I've got in Be strong and eat. Ah, be strong and eating don't go together. Unless there's poison in there, isn't it? And I see the African imagination is already thinking poison. But watch this though. To strengthen your heart means that there's hardship. This Christian road is a road of hardship. You are not going to make it until the second coming. Until you strengthen your heart. Until you remember I have to stand strong up until he comes back again. Oh, we have plastic Christians oh, Plastic Christians. Plastic. plastic. You put them in the fire. Oh, you smell the smoke. You see the hole. Before long, there's no plate there. Plastic. Ask your neighbor, are you plastic? So things are not working out. And I don't feel like going to church today. If God really loves me, why am I going through these things? He doesn't have to answer you. He doesn't have to come down and say, oh, listen, this is why you, you're going through this trouble. Yeah. Who are you? you? Even Job, the man that he bragged before Satan, have you seen, have you seen my servant Job? Even when Job demanded, let him come down here and tell me what it is that I have done wrong. No answer. No answer. No answer. No, but God should tell me. Even your mother doesn't tell you. Why should God tell you? There are things your mother has never told you. And you think God should come down and tell you. What are you high on? He says verse number 8. Verse number 9, I'm sorry. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Now here he's saying, this is not just about you and Jesus. You know, you and Jesus is very simple. Eh? Me and God, just the two of us, ah, this will be easy. I can talk to people however I want. I can do whatever I want with people. If it's just about me and him. And you know for some people, they think the Christian faith is just about them and God. But that just shows they don't know God. What did Jesus say when he was asked? What is the greatest commandment? He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second one is as important as the first one. Love your neighbor as yourself. You cannot love somebody and grumble against that person. 
grumbling. And so there you are. And then you go down. You know, when somebody starts grumbling to you, you should tell them, shut up. Because you see, a grumbler will grumble because there's somebody who will allow them to grumble. You know, he said such such a thing. What's going on in their family? You know, I don't like what they do. Or she said such such a thing. Don't grumble against one another. If you have an issue with anybody, go to that person and tell them. I have an issue with you. Jesus says, if your brother sins against you. You should go to your brother and tell your brother his sin. This is what you have done. When you said such, such a thing, it hurt me. This is how I felt. And you know, sometimes the other people don't even know that they actually hurt you. And you are busy hating them. Every time you see them, you know something, your stomach tightens. Yeah. He says, if he will not listen to you, get another brother. Get another person. And go and tell them this. If they won't listen to that, then get the church elders. This is what has happened. The matter must be resolved. When you don't have unresolved issues, that's why you grumble. You grumble because you have unresolved issues. And James has already said, grumbling like that is like judging somebody. And whenever you put yourself in the place of judgment, you are always an unrighteous judge. Because you who keep this one particular thing, you think you keep. You are also breaking the other things. Isn't it? Mm -hmm. Because the very same one who said do not kill also said do not lie. So you may say, no, no, no. You know, I don't do such, such a thing, but you lie. And so you are also in, you are also supposed to be judged. And so Jesus says, first of all, take care of the big log in your eye. Before you start grumbling and pointing somebody's little because that makes you a hypocrite. just judge. So watch what he says, this James. Verse number 10. He starts giving examples now. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers. Take, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. So, so he says, listen, if you want an example, example of what? Breakthrough, 
says an example of suffering and patience. Who do you look to? The prophets in the Old Testament. Remember Jeremiah? Look, if you want to know about prophetic ministry, read Jeremiah. Read Jeremiah. Oh man, that, that guy was thrown into jail so many times. It's like, God, where are you? I'm right there. That's why I have that guy. He is a tough guy. I think God is looking for some ninjas. Some spiritual ninjas. That will be thrown into dungeons and they will still stand. That will be thrown into the fire. And they will say no. Our God will rescue us. Uh, but if he doesn't rescue us, hallelujah, we'll die and hallelujah. see him. Suffering and patience. Do you know that's what shows somebody is for real? Mm. Oh, yes. When she can go through suffering. When she is an orphan. When she has no money for school fees. And when that sugar daddy comes and, and offers thousands and thousands and she says no you know she's real you know she's real when, when she really needs a promotion when she has so many mouths to feed and the boss says sleep with me I'll give you a promotion and she still says no and when he says I'm going to suck you and she she says it's okay. You know she's for real. He says these are examples of suffering and patience. The prophets were like that. And then he brings somebody else's job. Says verse number 11. Behold we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of st the steadfastness of Job. And you have seen the purpose of the Lord. How the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Hey, but I tell you today. When we speak about Job. It's always about he got double for his trouble. And it's about what he gets at the end. No, James is saying it's not just what he got at the end. No, it's about his steadfastness. That even though he was suffering, he still hung on to God. Now, just in case, you are thinking that, you know, hanging on in faith, means that every day you wake up at the top of the mountain no matter what suffering is coming your way you are still hallelujah whatever. Uh, stuff like that Job shows you it's not like that oh because he comes at a point where he's almost like not believing where's God where is God what wrong have I done? You see, Job had a problem. He thought because he's righteous before God, then God must always bless him. You know some people have a formula Christianity. Pay your tithe. 
Give your offerings. Wake up to pray at 4 in the morning. Do the 90-day reading plan. Bible reading plan. Go to church. Just tick all the boxes that you must do. I assure you, God will always be with you. You'll never go through suffering. Have you heard of my servant Job? <laughs> he did everything right. He was praying for his children. He was a righteous man. He feared God and shunned evil. And yet evil came on him. You don't have a formula to life. There is no formula to life life. Anybody who ever tells you when you start tithing things will start working out for you. They are lying to you. You can be a tither and things not work out for you. Why? It's a fallen world. Tell your neighbor it's a fallen world. A fallen world. Mm -hmm. You see this is why all the more we want Jesus to come Be because he'll bring the perfect world. That's why you should want him to come. Because when he comes, there will be no more crying. no more dying. We are so busy with this rotten lousy world. Where you're only happy so that you can get sad. You know that, eh? You're only happy to get sad. You're happy, 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 happy. Then it's like, okay, I'm waiting for it. Maybe something bad is going to happen. He says, no, look at Job. Look at the compassion of God. Look at the faithfulness of God. Verse number 12, he says, but above all my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath. But let your yes be yes and your no, no. So that you may not fall in under condemnation. He says, listen, or oh, be truthful. Sometimes when we're in trouble, aren't we tempted to cut a corner? To make a promise that we can't keep? Aren't we like that? Isn't it like that? When the pressure comes, that we say, oh, you know, uh, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. And you know tomorrow you're not sure you'll have money tomorrow. He says no. Let your yes be yes. Hello? Where are you right now? I know I'm just by the corner. By the corner? How can Area 47 be by the corner? There? Since when did Area 47 move from there to the corner here? Oh, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. And we need to learn to know to say, I mean, we need to learn to say no. 
No, I'm not able to do it. Rather than give people the impression, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. And then when they're trying to check on you because you said you do it, you don't answer the phone. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, repent. Repent. Perseverance means we stick to the truth and we do not compromise the truth. And we're supposed to be, we're supposed to be patient even in that. Because we are to persevere until he comes. Tell your neighbor finally. Tell them number three. Being patient in prayer. Verse number 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So you are suffering. God has not left you to just suffer. So your favorite song should not be Lucky Dube is born to suffer. You know sometimes you are in this mood where you say, you know the song for me right now is born to suffer. You know, the songs I want to listen to. Born to suffer is what I want to hear. Because the thing that I'm going through right now is born to suffer. He says, no, you shouldn't do that. Don't play that record. Don't play that song. You should pray. If you're suffering, if things are not working out, here's what you should do. You must pray. You have not because you ask not. That's what James says. He says you have not because you ask not. In other words, all you had to do was ask. At least let him say no, right? But not that you should not have it because you did not ask. No. So he says, if you're suffering, Pray. If you're cheerful, sing praises. In other words, be happy. I had some people, it's like, were you baptized in lemon juice? I mean, there's no place where there's a cheerfulness to you. Honestly speaking, you want to tell me every day there is evil and bad things happening every second, every day. Mm -mm. Okay, okay. At least do negative praise. You know negative praise? When you praise, because you're not going through something somebody's going through. I thank you, I'm not sick. I thank you, I'm not bedridden at the hospital. I thank you, Jesus. Okay, at least find something. 
Oh, thank you. That you know, my clothes are not as bad as that person. Thank you. Yes. Because some of us we struggle to find the thing that God has blessed us with. You know, right now, I'm not in a good mood. Because I, I have no money. And the Ngongoli person is coming tomorrow. And, and, and so I just feel bad. But you're walking. You're walking. Yeah, I have no car. No, there are people with cars that can't walk. Because so you thank God. Oh, there are people with cars, Lord Jesus, that, that can't drive their cars because they are sick. Thank you that I'm well. Negative praise. Because you can't find anything positive. So there's no point at which you can say, I can't praise. Only when you're dead, maybe. But you're alive. You're feeling, oh, you know, I'm hungry. Uh, the fact that you're hungry, other people are hungry, uh, don't even have an appetite. You know that, eh? They don't have an appetite. They have food. Food. People have brought food to them. A whole tray. Food. They And there you are, looking at the clock. It's after 12 years. I mean, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Praise God that you can have hunger. Negative praise. Negative praise. And so he says, if you are cheerful, sing praises. Thank God. Sometimes, listen. Do you know, nobody can rob you of oxygen. Or the government won't tax oxygen. You know that, eh? It can't tax oxygen. So you can whistle. You can shout. You can jump. And express your gladness. Even though you're broken, you have nothing. And so he says, here's a particular suffering. Sickness. If anybody is sick, let him call the elders of the church. And let him come and pray for him. They will come and pray for him. Anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Did he say the elders will sell the oil? Did he say that the elders will package it in bottles? Red bottles for sickness. Blue bottles for favor. Does it say that? Is it something they sell? Is it something they sell? The elders? In fact, Jesus, when he sent his disciples, in Matthew chapter number 10, he says, freely you have received. Freely give. Don't sell water, you. <laughs> Freely you have received. Now is the thing the oil? Is the is the oil the the thing? 
The oil is just the symbol. A symbol of the anointing of the Spirit. That's what it is. There's nothing special with the oil. There's nothing. It's just symbolic of something. Oh, you find people. I went to Israel, man. I I got water from the Jordan River, man. So so what? You got water from the Jordan River, so what? Oh, but this is where Jesus was baptized. It wasn't that water you found. <laughs> you see the superstition there. And people do that, isn't it? I'm going to go to Nigeria. And then they bring all these bottles of things. <laughs> the elders, you call them, they will anoint you with oil. Yes. Free of charge. Should they have this special oil that they they bring they brought from the Jordan River or somewhere no. they can even take the cooking oil in your in your in your kitchen bring the, cooking oil. bring the lotion that you're using oh but my lotion is not expensive it doesn't have to be and we will anoint you. But here's your problem. You don't call for the elders when you're sick. And you're on your sick bed for so long. You got really sick. And then afterwards you say, but nobody from church came to visit uh, Call the elders. Call us. I'm sick, I'm not well. And I'm on the point of anointing oil. Bring anointing oil when you come. We will bring. We bought one today. We will bring. And it's not from Nigeria. From here. But watch what it says. <laughs> so there's enough for everybody here. Okay. Great. But watch this now. Uh, verse number 15. Verse number 15. You should forgive Pastor Patrick. He was meant to be a comedian. God just called him from there. Okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yes, but God so, so bear with him. <laughs> bear with him. Right? And so, verse number 15. Verse number 15. He says, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Now watch this. He says, the prayer of faith will save that person. Save salvation. Spiritual salvation. No. It's talking about saving from the disease. Saving from the sickness. And here's the next thing that he says. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, now when there is therefore, you should always be asking yourself what it is therefore. It is therefore Because it is saying that if a person commits sins and and, and comes at a point that they uh, they are prayed for, for healing, 
there is some connection between their forgiveness and their healing. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Some sicknesses come because of sin. Some sicknesses are there because of sin. Oh, yes. You can go to the doctor. Or they do all these check, uh, whatever, checkups. Run all these tests. Can't even find a single thing wrong with you. But you are sick. You are running a fever. Could it be? It's a sickness that is not just a physical sickness. That it's a sickness that has a spiritual root. Remember the passage that was read this morning. 1 Corinthians 11. Where Paul is warning that some of you because you are coming to the Lord's table in a flippant manner, without recognizing the body of Christ, some of you are sick, and some have slept or have died. How did they become sick? Because they came to the Lord's table, not discerning the body of Christ, choosing people, in fact, being classists, and so their sin results in a sickness. Here's what we believe. That in the atonement of Jesus, there is healing as well. The Bible says Bible in Isaiah 53, he was wounded for our iniquities. He was bruised for our transgressions. And the chastisement of our sin was upon him. And by his stripes were healed. Who is he talking about? Yes. What is it doing on the cross? And so the chastisement, the suffering on the cross, where he bought us our salvation, but then he says, by his stripes we are healed. Know, but isn't that spiritual healing? You may think so, but Matthew doesn't think so. Because Matthew 8 starts talking about the healing of Peter's mother, Peter-in-law's mother. And so Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law and then he healed other people that came and Matthew said this was to fulfill that which was written by Isaiah the prophet that by his stripes were healed. In other words, the physical healing flows from the cross of Christ. And so here's what we believe. When a believer is sick, let's pray for the healing of that believer. Do you mean we shouldn't go to the hospital? Who said anything about not going to a hospital? Nobody knows because if it's really God healing, then it means that you shouldn't bring any medicine at all. 
Who created Mangkwala? Who created this whole world? God. Who has given God, who has given people wisdom to come at a point where they say, let's make a tablet out of this? God, isn't it? So God can heal naturally, bringing about the, the medicines out there, but God can also heal supernaturally where people can be prayed for and healing can come and so we shouldn't say no don't take your ARVs if you have been healed you won't need to take your ARVs Amen. Amen. if you have been healed if you have not been healed Still keep taking him. No, but you know, Pastor, I've come at a point of, of, of saying, I'm believing God so much right now that I can just stop and I'll live on. Don't make anybody say that Pastor told you that you should stop taking your ARVs. Standing on your own faith and saying, I'm not going to be taken that. Nobody can stop you. Nobody can really stop you. But on the other hand, watch the proof of it. Because if after five days, after six days, your, your health is getting worse, then it's not working. Isn't it? If it's really the supernatural healing of God, then at that moment in time that you start doing that, you shouldn't suffer any after effects. I'm not saying God can't heal. The whole sermon is God heals, isn't it? <laughs> but don't be presumptuous. Thinking that, oh, so and so, I heard a testimony. He stopped taking his ARVs. And God has healed him. Oh, me too. You would die. Mm. Let God himself. Let there be the assurance that it really is God. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's move on. Tell your neighbor we're moving on. He says the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore fruit. Oh, watch this. He brings another example of He says, Elijah was a man with, the King James says, like passions like us. Elijah was just like you and me. The issues you go through, Elijah had issues like those. I mean, Elijah. After he kills 450 prophets, those must have been people with beard, big men. Bigger than you, longer beard. And then a woman comes. I will kill you. And what does the prophet do? Runs. 
goes into a cave and God is like what's wrong Elijah I'm the only one that's left excuse me you just killed 450 men and this woman just said that and you already Elijah had issues too. Just like you have issues. Elijah had issues. And James's point is this. If Elijah could pray and the rain stopped, how much more you? You too can pray. You too the rains can stop. Hallelujah. Amen. And here's the part I love about the Chichawa translation, right? Read verse number 17 at the end. Uh, verse number 17. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. Uh -huh. That's a better translation than the English, by the way. Because literally in the English it should be, and he was praying, praying. He was in prayer praying. Literally. What, kind of, what kind of prayer is that? No, he was praying. How was he praying? He was praying. How? Praying, praying. He kept on praying. And 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 kept on praying. See, the problem with many of us, we stop praying. We stop praying. If you read this story again, the day that he announces it's going to rain, did you know? Sorry. Did you know it didn't automatically rain? He just didn't say, okay, Ahab, it's going to rain. In fact, he said, I hear the sound of rain. What does he do? He goes to the mountain. The Bible says, 1 Kings chapter number 18, he put his head between his knees and he was praying. And then he asked his assistant, double. Can you go check if there's a cloud? Go. Can you go check if there's something? Double comes and says, no, nothing. Okay. Pray some more. He prays. Goes the fourth time. That's when double says, oh, there's a small cloud like a man's hand. Says, That's it. That's it right there. He keeps on praying. See, our problem is we do not continue in prayer. We are waiting to see the thing happen. Prayer. Tell your neighbor, prayer makes the thing happen. You are not waiting for it to happen. You are making it happen. And so we pray. And we continue to pray. And we pray. And we pray. And we pray. And we pray. Even if we die in prayer, it's okay, we pray. God didn't want it to work out, it's okay. But would rather die in prayer, rather than die in the very same situation. 
Oh friend, listen. In your persecution, in your suffering, when things are not working out, that's the time to pray. That's the time to seek God. Oh, may this week you get together with some prayer people. Not those nonsense ones. The ones where when, when, when you sit together, you are, you are talking about your problems. So this one says his problem. That one says, hey, I have bigger problems than you. Then that one says, no, 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 that's nothing. Compared to me, I have bigger problems. No. Get together with prayer warriors. Get together with prayer people. People that are saying, let's pray. Let's see God do something about it. People who are saying, has the answer come? Has the answer come? The answer hasn't come. We'll go back and pray. Friend, listen. The devil won't roll over and give you your promotion. The devil won't roll over and say, here's a joke. Then you have a wrong devil. That's a wrong devil. The right devil is stopping you. Putting the como. Stopping you. Because he knows if he allows you or it's going to be to the glory of God. If he allows you to get that money we are going to go to Mangochi and launch a church. He knows that. He knows if he allows you November will be in blood. He knows. And so he will stop you. How do you stop him? In prayer. In prayer. You get above him. You get above the situation. You don't know what's going on. You don't know what has surrounded you. You don't know why you are in that crisis. Maybe you never even know. Do you think Job knew? Did he know? That this trouble here started up there. That it was, it was God. God having a conversation with Job. And then they started mentioning me. And that's why I have this trouble. Does he even know why God mentioned his, his name? When God knew what Satan was going to do. When God knew what Satan was going to do, when God set Satan up to do what he was going to do, did, did he even know? Did Job even know? Did he have to know? No. You may not know the reason why you will never be told. But the thing about it is pray through. Pray through. Pray through. Pray through. Pray through. Pray through. Because if you do not, if you do not, you are stuck. There. You are stuck. There. And you know the thing about a stuck person? People are tired of a stuck person. Today you want this. Next week you want this. The other week you want this. The other week you want that. Hey, I have a family of my own. Once, twice, it makes sense. But you keep on and keep on and keep on. No. 
Even my friend, even if that person was such a loving person, they would even, they would even come at a, play, a place that they have run out of resources. Don't reduce yourself to a beggar. Don't reduce yourself to a beggar. You have a father in heaven who hears you when you call. And all you have to do is call upon him and believe that he is going to give you. Hallelujah. Let's finish. We finish James living wisely. And so then he says, my brothers, verse number 8, 19, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death. And will cover a multitude of sins. And I think this is connected to prayer too. Because how do you restore somebody without prayer? How do you convict somebody of their sin? You're not the Holy Spirit. I'm not the Holy Spirit. It's to pray for the intervention of the Holy Spirit. That that person would see the light. And so return back. And so then, Pastor, here we have proof that a, a believer can lose their salvation. Well, here's the problem. We don't really know who's saved and who's not, right? Do you know there are powerful preachers that have turned away from God? Have you ever heard of Carlton Pearson? Bishop Carlton Pearson. Pearson. Bishop Carlton Pearson was big before T.D. Jakes. And he used to invite T.D. Jakes to his conference, to his Azusa conference. First black guy to be on TBN, on Trinity Broadcasting Network. Oh, that man could preach. That man could preach. Guess what? Bishop Carlton Pearson. Uh, Bishop Carlton Pearson walked away from the faith. And he says that Jesus is not the only way to salvation. Not the only way to salvation. He's a universalist. You have many ways. All these religions will take you there. So you think you can tell who's who's who? We can't really tell. We can't look into each other's hearts. And all the more reason when one of us backslides we should have the love to say we want to bring you back in. Oh, but some of us that's his fault. Hanging out at bars and, and, bars and parties like that. What did you think? Well, see. Hey, listen. We are called to restore our brothers and sisters. We should go and restore them in love. And I tell you, when we do that, we have brought a sinner back from hell. Again, the word used sinner 
Uh, from in, in my understanding, it's like, well, I, I really don't know if he's behaving like a sinner. <laughs> he's a sinner. So let me bring him back so that he gets saved. Let me ask you. Do you know somebody who has backslidden? Who knows somebody that has backslidden? I don't mean somebody that's backslidden a quarter away. I mean backslidden, backslidden. Right? Do you know that person? It is our responsibility to bring them back into the faith. To pray for them. To pray for them. Oh, but you know, how long should I pray for this person? I've been praying for this person for two weeks now. No. Keep them in your prayers. Keep them in your prayers. And God says, when you pray for that person, and that person comes, oh, you have brought somebody back from there. Is there reward for you? I think so. I think so. Because God is very interested in souls like those. And so an aspect of our being patient in prayer is also praying for those that have walked away. Living patiently is about being patient in persecution. Being patient in perseverance and being patient in Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Kairos Lolongwe podcast. I trust you've been blessed. Please do us a favor and share this podcast with friends on Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, and whatever social media you're on. May the Lord break you through into your kingdom destiny. Blessings.